This morning we are going to continue our series called The Comeback. Um, and like we've been saying each week, we love comebacks because we are meant to be a comeback story. Uh, if you're with us the first week, Pastor Chip talked to us about Peter coming back from failure. And last week we, we heard about Gideon uh, coming back from fear. And this morning we're going to talk about a different type of a comeback. And this one's a little bit, uh, a little bit harder to, to point out in our life to know that we need to make a comeback from this because it's not necessarily something that's always obvious to us. And this is a comeback from self. And this morning we're going to look at the life of, of Jacob and a few events in the life of Jacob because uh, Jacob himself had to make a comeback from self. Um, and today when we were, or when we were setting up uh, today in a series and, and we were talking with Pastor Chip in his office and he was laying out where he wanted to go and how he kind of wanted to lay this out, um, you know, I started thinking about all the comebacks uh, that I've seen in my life. And you know, some of them made their way into that video, uh, the, the St. Louis Cardinals coming back against the Texas Rangers twice in two innings coming down from two runs down and their final strike both in, in uh, the ninth inning and then in, in the tenth inning and then winning it in the eleventh and on a David Freeze home run. And then the, the, the Packers come back last year against the, the Detroit Lions. I'm sorry if there's any Lions fans in here. I don't know if they have fans still. Uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary pass to, to win and, and, and that one. And then, you know, I I'd thought of a few of the the Iowa comebacks, even though they didn't have one yesterday. And there was a few that they've had against LSU. And, and I was thinking about all these sports comebacks, but then I was trying to think of the first comeback that I've seen. And the first comeback that I remember seeing in, in my life that I could trace back to was actually from when I was seven years old and my parents took me to see a movie in the movie theater for the first time. Uh, and we're going to uh, talk about that a little bit. And we're going to watch the uh, opening scene from that movie this morning. Who here has seen The Lion King? All right, most of us have. I was told in the middle, uh, in between services, that I shouldn't have shared that I was seven when that came out because it made a lot of people feel old. Um, but in, in that opening clip of The Lion King, we, we see how things in the, in the Pride Lands at Pride Rock were meant to be. When the right king was on the throne, we see it's green, it's lush, it's full of life. All of the animals are, are living together properly as they should. And when the right king is on the throne, that's what it looks like. The, the opening scene of that movie shows you what it's supposed to look like, what it was designed to look like. Uh, but we know those of us who have watched the movie, it doesn't stay that way. Scar, Mufasa's brother, decides he wants the throne. And so he uh, devises a plan to, to kill Mufasa and, and uh, to, to chase off Simba, who's there uh, set up to be the next king. Um, and when the wrong king is on the throne, this is what we get. We get death, and we get destruction, and the animals are no longer there. The grass is no longer green. There's thorns, and there's, there's thistles when the king who's not supposed to be on the throne is on the throne. Um, we are like Pride Rock. When the wrong king is on the throne of our life, and in certain areas of our life, death and destruction come. And... Um, so often the thing that takes the place of God is, is sometimes it's, it's a thing or an object or a person or relationship, but most often it's, it's us. 
And when we look back uh, at the very beginning in Scripture, in Genesis 2-7, we read this. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And in, in Genesis, in the garden, uh, we see things as it should be. Pride Rock was as it should be. God created it all and said that it was good. And then he pushes together the dust of the ground and forms informs this corpse of a person. And until God breathes life into him, it's just dust. It's just dust from the ground. Adam, the name Adam in Hebrew, uh, is, is close to Adamah, which is just dirt. Um, and that's what we are without God's provision, without God's breath. And um, when we look in that, in that story in Genesis, we see that God provides. And that's God's role in our life. God wants to provide for us. We see what he did for Adam and Eve in the garden. Everything that he did was providing for them. It was food. It was, um, it was relationship. It was help. Um, it was life. God provided all of those things. We never see God fail. We never see God come up short on the end of provision. But what we do see in the next chapter of Genesis, in chapter 3, we see that that's not enough for Adam and Eve. And we see that there's one thing that they were not supposed to do. God provided hundreds of trees, hundreds of, of ways for them to find food. God provided it, and God wanted them to have it, and God gave it to them. But we see them go after the one thing that God asked them not to do, and they take their provision for themselves into their own hands. And they go and they eat the fruit from the tree that God told them not to. And from that moment on, um, we have struggled with this issue of control in our life. Humanity has struggled. We want to be in control of our of ourself. We teach our kids to be independent, which is not a not a bad thing. But we we teach ourselves to be in control, to do whatever we can to make sure that we are in control of our finances. We're in control of our household. We're in control uh, of our of our work situation, of our career. Everything we do, we teach control. But the thing is, we serve a God who wants to be our king. He wants to be our provider. And when God is on the throne, we see the green, lush pride rock. But then when we take it over and we want to control things and we want to hold things close, then we see the devastation of a dead pride rock. And so this morning we're going to talk about this comeback. And to do so, we're going to look at the life of Jacob, like I mentioned earlier. We're going to start in Genesis 25, 19 through 26. And this is what it says. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, an Aramean from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban of Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to, the, to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. One will, become, one will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. 
After this, his brother came out when his, with his hand grasping Esau's hill. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Now here in this story, in the very beginning, we see God at work again trying to provide for his children, trying to bring things back to the way that they were, the, thing, the way that things were meant to be. God on the throne providing for his children. And uh, then we, we hear um, that God's not only provided children, but he's also provided a future for these children. He's, he's declared what is going to happen in their lives. The older is going to be stronger and, and will serve the younger. But this is, this is, God has already provided all of this. And then we meet the children. We meet Esau and Jacob. And poor Esau gets named exactly what he looks like and what he's doing. <laughs> he's red and hairy, and that's what his name means. That's what Esau means. And then Jacob comes out, and he also too gets named after what he's doing, but his name is a little bit more significant. Because in Hebrew, the name Jacob actually is a reference to a military term. The name itself means heel grabber or deceiver or backstabber. And the reason why you get heel grabber from that and the way that that all ties in is there were men in, in, in armies that would fight each other at that, at that time who would go behind, <clears throat> excuse me, they would go behind enemy lines and they would sneak up behind the enemy and they would grab their heel and they would pull it up so that the enemy would fall flat face down and they would stab them in the back. And that is the legacy, that is the name that Jacob is given here at the very beginning. And as we move on in the, the life story of Jacob, we see this play out. And we see that Jacob lives up to his name. He, is a, he deceives and he struggles with control. He, he, uh, no, I, I, I have no doubt that the scripture does not mention this part of his life specifically, but I have no doubt that as Jacob was growing up and that as he was sitting around campfires with Isaac and with Esau and with Rebekah, Isaac would tell them the stories of what God has done. He would tell them about how he called his grandfather Abraham out of Ur. And he would tell them that God made this promise and that he was going to carry it out through his lineage. And that, um, that uh, God had stepped in and provided time after time when things needed to be done. God stepped in and did it. And so I have no doubt that Jacob heard all these things. And, which makes this even more concerning because then Jacob still takes control into his own hands. And he knows what he's doing, I believe, when his brother Esau comes in from the wilderness, famished from hunting. And his, and his brother says, I just need something to eat. I'm starving. And Jacob takes that moment to finagle his brother's birthright away from him. And a birthright is just, it's not just, a, it's not just words or, or, or ideas. This is a big thing to their society. Uh, because Jacob and Esau were brothers, his father, their father's possessions would be, uh, <clears throat> at the time of his death, divided three ways. There would be three parts. Esau, as the oldest brother who had received the birthright, would get two of those three. Uh, and that's what being the first one out of the womb gets you. And so um, Jacob knew this. And so sitting around those, those campfires, I have no doubt that he knew exactly what he was asking for when he asked his brother for his birthright in, in place of some soup and some food. And Esau gives in. And, and being near death, thinking that, that what's good is a birthright if I'm going to starve when I'm a young man. 
So he gives it away. And then later on, uh, we're hopefully very familiar with the story of the, the, the blessing given to Jacob instead of Isaac. Uh, Isaac tells Esau, or yeah, blessing given to uh, Jacob instead of Esau. Isaac tells Esau to go out into the wilderness to find Isaac's favorite food and to bring it back and to prepare it. And he, when he presented it to him, Isaac would give Esau this blessing. Um, and we know that, that through the help of his mother, Jacob steps in, um, deceives his father into thinking that he's Esau and receives the blessing. And um, again, this is, Jacob, this is examples of Jacob taking control of his situation. Uh, there are some in our society today that may even applaud Jacob for taking the initiative to control his situation, to step in and to say, uh, you know, you made sure that you were taken care of. You had money. You, had, you, had, you were blessed with um, property, and, and, and um, you, you, were, you, you took control, and you did a good job. And as, as Jacob's story goes on, he, he kind of he has to run away from his brother because he's afraid, but he, he kind of gets a taste of his own medicine when his father-in-law deceives him the day that he was supposed to marry the woman that he loved. And instead, his father-in-law switched out the brides because you didn't see the bride until uh, the wedding night. And so when he, when he came back to his tent and found the older sister, who custom-wise should have been married first uh, there, he was, he was deceived, and he kind of had to take that on the chin because he, he had been used to doing that to other people himself. Um, and so, again, Jacob is just struggling with control. And we find out that we replace God with ourselves because we don't trust God. Jacob did not trust that God would provide for him. And I think so often we find ourselves in those same shoes sometimes. We know that God is very good, and we come and we worship and we celebrate, but there are times when things go on in our life for, us, for, some, for some reason, knowing that we have a good God who wants to provide for us, wants to do things, we pull things in close and we try to take care of them ourselves. We, we try to lean on our own power, our own will, our own resources, and we, we miss out on this wonderful provision that God has provided for us. Once again, God has never failed to show up and provide. And we still doubt, and we still struggle, and we still place ourself in his place, and pride rock remains dead. So then we come to this point where uh, Jacob listens to a command of God to go home. He is going to be the one that the blessing continues through, and God had given the land that he gave to Abraham to their family, and he wanted him to go back to it. And so this means that Jacob has to be reunited with Esau. And the night before this, re, uh, this, um, this meeting happens, Jacob has a, an interesting evening. We're going to read about it. It's in Genesis 32, starting with verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions— so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? 
Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. There's two points to this interaction that I want to point out. The first is that it's a struggle. We're talking about coming back. We started out in the garden where things were great. Things were good. Pride Rock was green and lush. And then we decide that we can provide for ourselves better. We, we decide that we need to be in control of our life, and Pride Rock dies. And so here we see a comeback happening, and it starts with a struggle. Uh, in, my, in my leadership and master's classes, one of the things that they always told us is the hardest thing you will ever have to do as a leader is to change human behavior. People don't want to change. It's not in our nature to change. And it's a struggle. And, and God points this out to Jacob this night. It's a struggle to change. And then we also see that Jacob doesn't have to make this struggle, this change all on his own. God is there with him, and God is actually the one that does the changing, and he helps Jacob with the struggle. And then we see this redefinition that Jacob receives. No longer is he Jacob the heel grabber. No longer is he the deceiver. No longer is he the person that struggles with control, but his name is changed to Israel, for he struggled with God and with humans and has overcome. And that's his new lineage. And no longer you know, is, is Jacob revered in this negative light, but who to the rest of, of the rest of Scripture does God align himself with? He's the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. God helped him come all the way back. And we see this change in Jacob because we see the end of this, this passage in verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face and yet, my life was spared. He understands that God's in control of everything. He's in control of nothing. Whatever, what, what all he tried to do throughout his life was meaningless. All the control, all the things he tried to hold on to didn't matter. Because God was in control. This whole time, God had the, God had the ability to give him life and to take it away. God has the ability to provide for us. Going all the way back to the, the Lion King. We see at the very end, Simba returns. And there's a struggle with Scar. And there's a fight at the very end. And all of this stuff happens. And when Simba retakes the throne, the rightful king on the throne, the rains come. The grass turns green. The animals come back. Things are as they should be. This morning... God wants to be the king of our lives. God wants to be the king of our marriages, of our families and children, of our finances, our health, our time, our future, our goals and our expectations and our thoughts. This morning, have you given these areas of your life over to God? Are there areas that you continue to hold on to? Are there things that you continue to hold on to in your life and try to have control over them? Are you willing to give God the throne of your pride rock and for your life to be as it was meant to be? 
Are you trusting that God will provide for you, or are you holding on to things that you don't trust God with? Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. When we are trying to control our life, when we're trying to take all these things on ourselves, and we're holding them all in, we don't often view ourselves as God's masterpiece. There's always something in the way. There's always something that we feel like needs to be fixed or remedied. You know, it, it causes us maybe when we come to worship to be calloused or hard. We, we don't necessarily, we don't feel energized by being in God's presence because there's something there. There's something that we haven't given over to God. And this morning, a lot of us need to come back from self. We're going to watch a video here uh, just a moment. And after they're done, after the video is done, the worship team is going to come forward. Uh, and we're going to have a time of reflection and, and prayer. And this morning as we do this, I just ask, what area of your life have you been holding on to? What things have you been holding on to? What areas of your life have you said, God, thanks, but I, I, I'm going to do this. I, I, I better take control of this. I need, to, I need to handle this on my own. Is it our marriages? Is it our kids or our family? Or is it things that, like I said in the very beginning, they're not, they're not obvious things. We had to really think about it. Thankfully, we don't have to do this on our own. We have a helper that God sent us to help us do this. Uh, but as we watch this video, uh, reflect on your life and see if there's anything in your life that uh, needs to be returned to its rightful king. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? 
I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward, but I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it, you never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish, it's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty, 
wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. And chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me. And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, 
then use me then. God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father discipline his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.
thank you for this time that we've had this morning to hear from you and dear God I just pray right now for my friends in this room that if there's any area of their life that they've been holding on to been trying to control been trying to provide for themselves rather than to depend on you and your provision dear God I pray that you would help them to struggle through this I pray that you would um, create comeback stories this morning God, we thank you for everything that you provide. We thank you that you're a God who never fails to show up. You're always there and you always know exactly what we need. God, we thank you for that today. And it's your name that we pray. Amen. This morning as you go, hear Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for being here today.